Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives I'm so excited for today's show Before we get into it, let's talk about Four Sigmatic I love Four Sigmatic now, they are mushroom coffee, and it is so darn good. And I say this as somebody who is an avid coffee drinker, okay? So I am, I can get down with coffee. I've been getting down with coffee for a long time. With that said, I love the Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee because not only does it taste great, and it has half the caffeine of normal coffee, so you're going to get that caffeine punch that you're looking for, but you're also going to get a drink that's really good for you. You get the adaptogens, you got the lion's mane, you got all the mushroom goodness in there, as well as everything that you want from a cup of coffee. Go check it out today, foursigmatic.com. That's F-O-U-R, sigmatic.com forward slash rambling runner, or just use code rambling runner at checkout to save 10%. This stuff is so good. If you haven't tried it, you really should. And if you don't believe me, hey, Rich Roll is using it. Tim Ferriss is using it. So many other people are using it. That's how I found out about it years ago from their podcasts. And this stuff is legit. So foursigmatic.com with code rambling runner to save 10% today today's episode with ro mcgettigan dumas this person is unbelievable ro is just an absolute phenomenon within the running industry he's a sports psychologist she is a uh, certified therapist in addition to that she is also an olympian she has made the olympic final in the steeplechase she's the irish record holder in the steeplechase she's a european medalist this woman can do it all in today's episode we're going to dive into just the, the mental processing, getting ready for race day, and everything involved in that from the training to getting prepared to put yourself to the limit, what that means for different events from a 5K to a marathon to an ultra marathon and what to do just in, you know when you're in the starting corral and getting ready for the starting corral and all of the things. Because for the most of us, race days are coming upon us pretty soon. And some of us have already raced so far this summer, but it may have been a while since you entered a race and we just got to get used to it. And I say this all the time. And so many people who've been on the show echo these sentiments that racing is something that needs to be practiced. It is a skill in and of itself. And that's exactly what we talk about in this episode. And Rogue gives us so many tips to handle race day to the best of our ability. So let's get into it with Rogue. Hello, Roma again. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't say welcome back to the show. You have, we do have a podcast that did feature you, but it was part of the la last year's Rambling Runner virtual summit, which was fantastic. It was so well received, specifically what you did, uh, which was you know, phenomenal. I'm so excited to get you back on here while you have an illustrious athletic career. What we're going to be talking about now is your current day job, right? The sports psychology piece that you work with so many athletes, um, not just locally. You're, you're Rhode Islander just like me now, which is really exciting. Uh, but just internationally, you work with so many athletes. And I'm so excited to chat with you. What's on your plate currently? Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, getting my kids back to school next week. Is like, is hashtag mom life is still, you know, right there um three kids you know so it's always 
the number one thing. Um, and then, yeah, working with athletes. And then I also have an Olympic school program I run in Ireland that I develop as well. So, um, yeah, always the juggle with me. <laughs> I can imagine. What's the, and what's the age of the athletes? I know you have the Olympic school, as you just mentioned. Um, and just just uh, on a day-to-day basis, what's the, what's the age range of the athletes that you work with? Yeah, so I work, let me see, I work with teenagers, like high school athletes. Um, and then I work with, um, I suppose, you know, I don't want to put numbers on people's ages, but like, you know, anyone like middle of their life kind of, you know, point. <laughs> um, I don't know what you could call that, like, you know, 50 year olds, six year olds. Masters runners. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Not too many masters runners, but oh, okay. different people. Um, I'm a licensed mental health counselor as well, so I see a variety of people. But, um, yeah, I suppose majority would be kind of younger, um, high school, college age, um, and different things going on there. Yeah, right. And so, and for all of those groups, races are now are now back, right? So you have all the way down to the high school athletes, um, and then all the way up through masters runners like me who are getting ready for a variety of races, uh, especially with this fall coming and coming fast, we have it feels like every marathon is now scheduled for fall 2021, even if there aren't traditionally a fall marathon, which is exciting. And I think for a lot of people, really interesting. So um, I guess a couple things that I want to touch base with you, because a lot of people are now in a situation that maybe they haven't been in in such in, in in a long time. I guess moving back a little bit, did you notice with the at the athletes that you were working with, and I know you work with more than just athletes, but did you notice that people approach their running differently uh, during the pandemic? Not that the pandemic's over, it certainly is not, but but in the preceding 18 months and maybe you had seen before that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, people had to shift, right? Like there was like always this next race, always the next thing. It was always just locked in. It's like, you know, we talk about like what's in your control and what's out of your control. And like, you know, the the date for a race is like one of those things that's out of your control is when it is in the calendar. And all of a sudden, you know, the pandemic threw those things out. Um, You know, even things like the Olympics every four years for like ever. And now that, you know, that was cancelled, as we all know, and and it was back on then. So, there was, you know, it, it became one of these things of like moving targets and um, for athletes who kind of just work to those moving targets, it was it was weird to have no targets actually for a while. And then people kind of like, how do I motivate myself? Like, what do I do? You know, am I enjoying it? Do I, you know, where's my energy and motivation for for doing the effort and doing the work? And, um, you know, for some people that was fine. It was a welcome break. Other people kind of felt like, oh, I don't know, I'm just kind of drifting around here a little bit. And without that pointed focus, it didn't have that create that tension that sometimes people like to have to like work towards a goal. And that's why we know goal setting is effective, right? It, it does create that um, motivation and focus and, and does pull people. They don't always arrive exactly at the goal, but they still have grown a lot, even in that process of working towards something. And, um, you know, so that was a bit of a loss for people. And there's a grief in, in some of these moving targets. And um, I wouldn't kind of, you know, it sounds really light and easy now. But for some people like, you know, especially high school athletes where it's their senior year or like college athletes or just just navigating the, that change for professional athletes as well. That was hard, you know, and um, 
you know, everyone had a different experience in that, I think. There was no rule book for it, right? There was no, oh, you know, the last time this happened, like professional sports, it wasn't a thing. Um, and, uh, you know, so everyone was trying to figure it out on the go. And and I think this it required people to be kind of self-aware and say, okay, like, what what do I need right now this year? What do I need to focus on? Um, and, you know, that, that was different for every everybody. And did it change how you talked to people about goals and goal setting and internal versus external goals? To be honest, not really, because I think I've always had the philosophy of like, you know, goals on one hand are great, but also goals aren't everything. And that like the process is really important and the process is actually the main focus. And if we, you know, we can still focus on the process and enjoying the day to day um, and building the kind of puzzle or building the staircase. Um, and, you know, that hasn't, that didn't really change for me. Uh, you know, I think that's actually helps people perform and arrive at their top of the staircase or arrive at their, at their goal, even, you know, so taking that goal away, it, the process didn't change too too much, but I do appreciate that there's like a balance of that. It's not all just process, process, process. And we do like to, you know, achieve goals and we do like to hit these markers and things like that. I know that we can kind of hold space for both of those things. And um, so it didn't change too much because I think the philosophy behind kind of the, I suppose the, the kind of mindset or work I do bringing kind of that focus and helping athletes focus on that and um, didn't change too much but you know I think we it's okay to say like we missed you know, people miss having goals and they like having goals and that motivates them too there's no judgment on you know the fact that goals are helpful and it is good to have goals so. yeah and then it's often I think you know when people talk about motivation and the motivation required to do something really well, but something that's still a hobby, right? Because a lot of people that you're talking to, some of them are professional runners and things like that, but a lot of them, especially the people who are listening to this show, they do run, they, they're they active in the running community um, and sometimes extremely active and they are devoted and they're, they're all of those things. And yet it's still, you know, quote unquote, a hobby for them, right? It's outside of the professional landscape and it's something that they're choosing to be a part of. There's not going to be, you know, financial repercussions if they choose not to do it anymore. In fact, maybe they'll save some money if they stop signing up for races. But from a motivation standpoint, how did you see some of that ebb and flow when you have the external, that external piece taken away? Um, and all of a sudden, maybe for some folks, they have uh, a different set of things that they're looking for, looking, looking out for and different things that they're internalizing in regards to their own performance. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, kind of people have to look at like, you know, what, what is it? Why do they want to do that race or what is it they're trying to achieve? And like, you know, when you kind of get in touch with the reasons, like what is it behind that? And that again is different for most people, but it's usually, it's kind of like a version of themselves or this like kind of reach their potential or feel this certain way or, you know, like you know we can keep going but like a, there's a lot of those answers to the question like why do you want to achieve that goal or why do you still want to do that that tells you a lot about somebody right that tells you you know if you think about it yourself like you know what was a goal that you had and like why why is that important to you you know what I mean I don't know if you feel like answering that or not but you know 
an example of somebody I don't want to just I could give examples but I'm just wondering if you wanted to share that you know we could like even explore like you know what was it about that and I think that why tells us a lot right and then you know that the has to shift for people some people did do the virtual races and want to still achieve their goal and like there was something about the times and stuff that they wanted to get and that's like they own that that's intern intrinsic reward um and the fact that you know th- things moved online or they didn't get a medal or whatever like that's kind of secondary really you know for some people and um, that they're still getting what they wanted out of it and um i think that's always important to do if the race is virtual or it's happening or not. Yeah, I think for me, the, the times where I have felt the most content with my running is kind of um, not necessarily connected to my fitness from a general perspective, right? I mean, there are times where I'm really happy with how things are going and that aligns with being pretty fit because things are moving in that direction and then they're just kind of like along along parallel paths. But at the same time, I think ultimately, especially from a race perspective, for me, it's like what happens in that last like one or 2% of the race? Did I give in or did I push through or did I fall somewhere in between? But usually it's kind of one or the other. I think for most people, um, they get that black and white choice <laughs> late in a race. Or maybe if you're an ultra runner, you get it many times in a race um, of like, all right, am I going to push through this discomfort or am I just going to give in be like, ah, it's good enough, right? And then start to rationalize it. And then uh, for me, that's not necessarily connected to how fit I am or even what my time was, right? Because if even from the time perspective, and I think we've seen this with virtual running as well is, it, it's so dependent on the course for certain things, right? Like if I go run this super hilly 5K and I'm like, oh, what was my time? Well, it doesn't matter what my time was. I just, I had a 300 foot climb in the last mile. Like my time wasn't that great, but but it doesn't matter. Like you compare it to a flat course, but I could get just as good of a feeling of the experience if when things got tough and I'm like, no, I'm not going to give in. I'm going to keep pushing. And I think that um, for me, that kind of also boils down to like why I try to do this is try to get the most out of myself within the constraints that I have in my life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think you're right on there. But like sometimes people say that like, oh, you know, I don't care about the time. It's a hilly course. And then they see their splits and then they go, oh, my God, this is terrible. And then they like actually do care about that. Right. And then they like feel terrible about themselves. And the the target moved like they go into the race. Oh, no, it's just about me, you know, pushing my edge. And then they come out of the race and go, oh, God, no, it's so much. Right. And then they're so shamed about embarrassed about the time. And it's like. Right there, you can't move the targets on yourself as soon as the race goes off. Like, that's not fair. You know, a lot of people do that to themselves. I notice they're like, oh, no, it's totally fine. That's no problem. And then they go in and they're like, oh, no, I really wanted to run this and I really wanted to run that. And they weren't they weren't they're not fair to themselves. So there's a lot of that that happens. Um, But, you know, if you're if your thing is to kind of go in and just go, OK, I'm going to embrace the challenge of this race and it's got this like really gnarly hill at the end and it's going to just you know leave it all out there you know then you can go and like execute on that and and come out and go okay did I leave everything out on the on the course and do I feel good about doing that you know and then you can walk away satisfied but so many people 
unfairly like switch the targets the second the gun goes off. <laughs> I just don't want, I'd love people to stop doing that to themselves. It's not fair. No, that's so true, right? Especially if we recognize someone in the race or like, oh, hold on. I know that person. I know, and I know what happened last time I raced against that person. Um, yeah, it's funny. I think like I've, I've run long enough from a, from a, you know, from a, again, I'm not a professional, but I've been doing this for a while uh, on and off now for shoot, 25, 30 years that like, I can like look back and be like, oh, if only I was as fit as I was in 2000, I'm just going to throw 2016, just a random year. But then I can go back and remember like, yeah, but after that 5K, you were angry that you didn't like get a certain time. So like, it's easy to like look back with rose colored glasses. But at the same time, when I was in that race, I didn't feel the way I feel looking back on that experience. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And it's good to kind of you know, call yourself out on that and not, you know, those rose into glasses and go, yeah, but were you really happy then? You know, or like, you know, checking in and say, you know, was it, was it the time that I was motivated or was I, you know, was it the fitness, you know, things change and people's reasons for running are always changing. Like I remember I was, I think it was that one of Lauren's retreats and um, they're like, why do you run or something? And like, I remember before, like I used to run for one reason, it was like high performance and that was it. And like I had since retired and I like had realized I was like these like 99 other reasons why I ran. And it was like really fun to be like, be like, oh, I don't run because of that one reason anymore, but I have like 99 other reasons. And it was such a nice kind of like gift to be like, oh, I thought it was over. Oh no, it's not. It's just like, it's just shifted. It's just changed. And, um, I think like, you know, if you think about the example you just gave, like, you know, a few years ago, you're like, oh, I was, I always loved to be as fit as I was then. But then you, you really wanted to hit times and that was your focus and that was your goal. And being fit was like the kind of uh, secondary thing. Like you got to be fit because you were chasing a certain time. Do you know what I mean? That was like, the residual effect of like going towards and aiming for those times. Right. And I think that that performance, what I've learned about myself is that when I get fit by chasing times, that can go well. But at the same time, it's a really rocky road because then it's like every workout gets put under a microscope because I'm so time focused as, you know, it's like, all right, if I want to do this because I want to get this certain time, then time becomes this you know, this constant metric that is of such high importance as opposed to being like, no, like I'm like, no, I want to do this because this seems like a really interesting experience or like this is an adventure. Again, it might not change. It might not even change the workouts I'm doing. Never mind the effort I'm putting into them. But I feel like it changes how I put it into the larger context of what I'm doing. Like right now, like I'm trying to I'm going to do the Richmond Half Marathon in November and I'm running CIM in December. And I last time I did a marathon was over 10 years ago. I, like to say, I didn't do any marathons in my 30s. I'm 40 now. So um, I'm really excited about those. But it's funny how even in my second marathon, I was I, I did a really good job following the plan, but I was very much like in the plan, very on top of the times where now I'm kind of like, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out every day. I'm gonna, I just want to make these it runs fun and interesting. And I know that if I do them, I'll be ready to run the race. But I feel like it's it's altered the focus. And I, and I think that part of that is what's been going on for the last 18 months and putting some of that stuff into perspective. Yeah, yeah. And even the thing is the chase in times, like, I think it's 
I think there has to be, it, there's so, it's so hard to kind of get that balance, right? Because the times with the watches and all that now are like constantly giving you like splits and data and da, 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 too much data, if you ask me. And like the days where you're supposed to be checking in on your time and are you like, you know, getting closer to that kind of goal pace and are you starting to see improvements in fitness? Like literally that should be like twice a week. But unfortunately, with the, you know, all of the phones and the, and the watches and stuff, we're able to check every like step of the way and that's too much. So like chasing times then becomes this like stressful thing of like constantly analyzing, constantly analyzing. And like that can rob so much joy for people and then, you know, force people to like do paces that they don't actually feel like doing that day. Like I, I know I fell into that trap when I got on those watches. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to do an easy run. I'm like, oh, really? I, I read like Paula Radcliffe runs are easy runs at this pace. Like, why am I so slow? And then it's like, oh, then like that easy run where you're supposed to be like recovering is like full of cortisol and stress and like feel bad about yourself. And it's like, you know, we, you know, I think that we have to like kind of keep those things in check and recognize, okay, when are the days I'm going to check in on that, those times? When are the days that I'll, you know, use that as like feedback? And when are the days I'm just going to get the work in? And I feel like that is the hardest thing for athletes to do because, we're all ready to kind of go hard and like do the do the work, but you can't actually do that every day at running. So like when you're chasing your times, like you're saying, like you end up kind of analyzing it all. But like, actually, there's a lot of time where you're not supposed to be analyzing it at all. You're supposed to be just going by feel. You're supposed to be just relaxing out there. And and I find that really hard to do. And I see other athletes find that really hard to do. It's like you're on or you're off. And actually, it's actually there's a sweet spot there that like most people can't really get the right balance of. But the people who do know exactly what I'm talking about. They know when to work hard and they know when to ease off and and they, they can keep the sustainable journey, keep going, keep it going for, for a long time. <laughs> I know, right? The watch can be, you're, you you young kids, so you know this deal. The, the watch can basically be like going on a car ride with a, with a little kid who keeps asking you like, how far left do you have to go? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, no. Knock it off. I don't, we don't want this. This is making the trip a lot longer. I feel like the watch can be be that. It's funny because like, you have to almost have two different mindsets. It's like on on a workout day, the watch is like helpful. It's like, all right, I want to make sure that I'm hitting the kind of paces slash effort levels that I'm thinking about. Um, and where, where where am I in here? Again, again, it's always about a range. It's not about a number. But then, like on the easy days, it's like, all right, no, I want to make sure I don't overcook this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of yeah, like yeah. I need to make sure that like I don't you know, like this is there's no such thing as too slow, but there is a too fast. So I'm going to use the watch in that context to make sure I'm not like, you know, stepping, uh, stepping on the gas a little bit too much here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like I was saying before, like I used to be like, oh, no, it's fine. It goes easy as you want. And then be like, gosh, that's really slow, though. Like, you know what I mean? It's hard to like turn that judgment <laughs> off. Like. And like I always say, you can't unsee, like you, your mind knows, even if that watch is on silent, it knows, it sees the thing. And it's like, you can't unsee, especially that piece of your brain that like parts of us that love the data and want to analyze the data and and do bring judgment to the data. It's really hard to turn that off. It's part of you. So it's like, <laughs> for me, it's just like, you have to get rid of the watch in order to get rid of that. Even though I'm aware that it's like not, is supposed to be in charge that day, it still can kind of sabotage the effort and what's supposed to be there. Right. Right. Yes. It's kind of like making sure that just because something can be measured doesn't mean it matters. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, not yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you just don't overanalyze it all, you know, and and it takes the focus like, oh, how do I feel internally to like, well, now I'm bringing judgment to that, you know, and that's that's the wrong. That's 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 the mistake there. All right. Well, let's talk about race days because they're coming back. And one of the things that is a huge difference for a lot of people between even a really hard workout and a race is the part that I was touching on earlier. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as an athlete and someone who is a therapist and, and works with so many athletes is that that final like 1%, 2% where in a race, it's just different than a workout where you're really trying to blast through any and all limits. You don't want to hold anything back in that you really want to, you know, just go all whatever, whatever, whatever trope you want to throw out there. We'll collect the ball and put them into what I'm trying to say. But ultimately, with that, with races now back, let's talk about the process of bumping up against limits during race day and pushing past them, um, because I think a lot of people probably haven't done that in a long time. And it can be really intimidating and or, um, you know, fear inducing once you're at that point in a race, if you haven't done it in a long time. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about it, you're like trying to push your body to its max, right? You're trying to like kind of find that line and ride that line as long as you can, right? So there's going to be feedback from your body being like, oh, please don't do this. Like, this is tiring, right? Like you're going against like natural forces being like, why are we wasting all this energy? Like, concern, you know, this feels painful. I don't like this. Like, right. So you're kind of going against your own biology in that way. Like, you know, and and then at the same time, there is no threat in the in the environment. So you're kind of trying to ask it to do something just for like fun and pleasure and 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 like to, you know, achieve, you know, your all your things, all your potential, right? Maximize your human experience or whatever. So it's kind of like if you look at I always I'm interested in like biology of like, you know, why, you know, how what are the forces we're working against in that, right? That like so instead of being an enemy or your body being an enemy or the limits an enemy, you kind of again get more curious around like, yeah, like your body's going to try and protect itself. It's going to try and stay safe. And that's important, right? So, you know, are you hydrating enough? Are you resting enough in the meantime? Are you t- like being self-compassionate in this journey and not just punishing your body? Um, and like re- getting your body on board with the plan as much as you can. Um and saying, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to like going to like push this. We're going to use a lot of energy and like, you know, really taking care of yourself. So it becomes this like joyful experience instead of just another like punishment that doesn't feel good. And like, that's demotivating for you, you know? So it's kind of knowing, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to try and find that line. And then when it shows up, I'm going to try and navigate, like, is this my, is this pain or is this just like, you know, is this just resistance, you know, and and navigate like, you know, what's safe in that environment? Like, you know, like, is it just fear or is it just your body going, oh, this just does not, this is yucky. This doesn't feel good because I don't know. I haven't been in touch with pain in that way. Like my muscles are like, what is this? Right. So it's kind of just, you know, navigating that in a way of like getting curious at what is popping up. What, you know, is it just because you haven't been in that situation and then kind of recognizing, okay, every time you, you know, go back to another race, you'll be able to push that back a little bit further, especially if you come out of it in a positive way and, and, 
you know, say, okay, this is the line, like my first race in how long the line is here, right? That's what I always going to say, like the first race, no expectation. You go out there and you say, okay, where am I at? And then when you get that line, then you start to say, okay, how do I now make a, how do I start to make an adjustment from this line? Because, you know, you need that line to like, to make the next goals. And, but you also know that like that line is kind of going to be pushed back just with the desensitization to the like <laughs> the pain of the the race or whatever it is. No, it's interesting because I think when you talk about like that line, it can mean different things for different length events, right? Depending on say, say there's just one runner we had in mind and that person was running a 5K versus running a half marathon. That line could mean two means two very different things in those kinds of races, right? So if say someone's doing a shorter race, a 5K, or they're a high school cross country runner, maybe they're even running less than that. Um that is part of like that line kind of like is like you associate it with like that burning feeling, not only in your legs, but your lungs, they're heavy breathing, you're completely redlining. And that pain can be kind of all encompassing from a like your body feels on fire type feeling, whereas, you know, more of an endurance event, uh, the half marathons, the marathons and farther, it's more of like that dull pain that just kind of encroaches on you slowly but surely. Um, and then also just kind of like the, the little niggles we all get. And is this is this a real discomfort? Is this a phantom discomfort that in three miles I'm going to forget about? So let's just talk about the short one first, right? When you're talking to some of your younger athletes or people who you really go hard after 5Ks, and certainly there are adults who do that. How do you manage that line for that kind of race? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, again, kind of it's, you know, going into the race and like, okay, like making it kind of based on what your training has been, like, what do I think, you know, what am I, what's a real ballpark, realistic kind of aim for that? And then it's like, you know, that line shouldn't really show up for, for too long. It, like, it should be there, you know, maybe on the third mile or so, but like it shouldn't be in the first mile. But, you know, it's kind of going, OK, let's get curious around when is that going to show up? And then being like, oh, it's here now. OK, this is it. Like, can I can I just stay with this? This is we knew this was coming. Can I just like stay efficient, you know, not freak out, not be like, oh, that means I need to slow down or anything like that. That can I just stay with that and embrace that for as much as I can and recognize that when you start to do that, the next time you're out, you'll be able to do it a little bit further and push it back and push it back. And like, you know, every athlete, that's the, the difference, you know, the, the similarities are in between like, you know, everybody on a, on a road race, an elite athlete or um, mid pack or beginners. It's like, they're all trying to find that line somewhere. Right. And, you know, it's like, you don't want it like on the, on the first, the first mile necessarily, but you want to stay, you know, and, and recognize, okay, it's starting to show up that you're like kind of staying relaxed around that and, and saying, okay, I'm feeling like it's building and it's building. Can I stay relaxed and embrace this? Because that's what I actually came into this race for to find that. Right. So it's instead of being like, oh, no, it's here. I need to shut down. It's going to go. Yeah, it's here. OK, I'm curious around how can I relax and like run with this for as long as I can. Um, and a good kind of like, uh, you know, uh, strategy for that is to try and find some part of your body that is relaxed in that moment. It's kind of like the yin to the yang, like your body's all yang in that moment. Can you find a little bit of yin somewhere and just like right, find a way to relax into the kind of pain of effort of like the 
burning 5k effort or whatever so you're able to just kind of find a way to like sustain and 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 hold that for as long as you can and would as an athlete yourself you've experienced this many many times and when you were doing the steeple not only were your legs and lungs burning but then you're like oh great another water jump but i feel like i can't even lift my legs what were some of the things that you would do um in that moment where you where you had to drum up that kind of explosive power when you were fatiguing so every athlete's different, but for me, like I have to kind of stay, I'd have to stay like really within myself, like as in like I have to, like I'm like other athletes are endurance, like more endurance athletes. I needed like, I need to be able to stay relaxed and then finish strong, like and find that extra gear, like everyone's different type of runner. Um, so it's kind of staying within myself and being able to kind of execute over the last few laps and like finished really hard. Like kind of like, I don't know what kind of animal that goes when you hear a bell, but like I can kind of always find that extra gear when you try <laughs> the hell is like, oh, right. So um, I'm just able to be a more of a competitor. Like if there's a race, I can just kind of find another level. Whereas like, you know, some other athletes are able to just go and like set a pace for themselves and maintain. Like I feel like I need to race in order to get that next level out of myself. Um, so staying within myself physically, feeling relaxed as long as possible is really required until I can see the finish and then can kind of get after it. Um, so, you know, there are, there are different types of athletes though, in that regard, some people, you know, want to just use the watch and just kind of can, that's, that's the thing that motivates them just to hold the pace. Um, and they can kind of ride that like harder pace for longer. Um, so it's kind of like, are you more of a racer, like competitor, or are you kind of like to someone who likes to go time trial and like, you know, push yourself and find the rhythm that way. So yeah, that's my experience in that. Like I had to kind of con- not conserve energy, but I had to stay within myself, you know? Right. And then going to the the longer endurance events, right? No one gets a second wind at the end of a 5K, right? No one like goes through <laughs> the fire of like, I'm anaerobic now, my lungs are burning. And then like a minute later, you'd be like, oh, you know what? I went through that bad patch and I'm going faster. Right. You don't see you that. You see as somebody much. sprinting home in the last 200? Well, I guess I don't mean, I guess, I guess I'm removing the, <laughs> the, fi- the finishing kick from that. Equation. Okay. Okay. I guess I was removing yeah, the yeah, finishing yeah. kick piece, but like the where it's like, all right, like I'm redlining, I'm going to continue <laughs> to redline, and then I'm going to get a, I don't know, maybe maybe you do get. I guess I never got a second kick while I was redlining. I got like the finishing yeah, kick yeah, of like, yeah, 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 where like the central governor is completely removed from the situation and they can just completely let it fly, um, as opposed to like someone who's running, you know, maybe for an hour, two, three, four hours, where like they go through a bad patch, they're not anaerobic. But they're going through this bad patch and they get through it. And now they're all of a sudden it feels like they did it mile two. But there was this awkward period of time where things just started to get funky on them. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of times you see people say like they kind of just like try to chunk down the race. Right. So if you're in a certain mile, it's like stay with stay run the mile you're in right so it's like okay like you know i'm in mile two and it's kind of sucking right now like can i just stay with this and just you know maintain kind of work on my form just you know even step by step kind of be really present and then i'm sure with the, some of the longer races people kind of need that like dissociation in a way they just kind of like have to kind of let the miles tick by somehow and they kind of use different ways strategies for doing that um and i think you know yeah like people can kind of ebb and flow in some of those races like they can have that 
rough mile and then come back and feel good again. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but like sometimes a lot of, you know, when people look at flow and how do people find that flow where they kind of get in their zone, like having some feedback and chunking down things to like, I successfully did that first mile, second mile, third mile. That actually is a conduit to like people finding that flow of like, okay, I did what I wanted to do in that mile and like ticked a box there, ticked another box there. And then that builds and builds and that can build and build. So, you know, you're better off being super realistic and and achieving, you know, over the first half of a race because that is actually going to help you kind of find all this extra energy because you're like ticking 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 we love ticking boxes our brains do so that's going to help you then the latter half of the race tend to really kind of let go and like when you see that finish line to like release and all you know free up all that energy reserve and so you know that's making the case of being kind of not super conservative but being super realistic that you feel like you're being successful over the first part and and I don't know any athlete who hasn't found that that is a, is a good strategy. Do you know anyone who goes out too hard at the start is just always a recipe for like, okay, good luck. <laughs> it's like too, too much. So I don't know if that is helpful. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it, pacing definitely comes into play, certainly with so many of these races. And, and uh, it's interesting because some of these people haven't raced in a while. So they're like, I don't know, the indicator. And maybe if they're not working with a dedicated coach, they're kind of like they're going through the race calculators. But that's that's just more general than specific for an individual. Um, and even coaches can be wrong. Because you never know. You never know exactly how fit someone is on, on race day because you never know how hard they're pushing in workouts. They might be killing themselves. They might be giving 80, 90 percent. Maybe they had more in the tank. But um, uh, especially if you're if it's a remote coach versus someone who's in person is able to really witness what's going on. But when you have when you're talking to someone, say, again, we'll just use the marathon here, who's, you know, they're at mile 18, they're at mile 20. So they're you know, they've gone through a significant part of the race. But there is still a significant part to go, right? The finish line effect has not happened yet, right? The central governor is still still firmly in place, and they're going through that bad patch. And, you know, people who've done this before understand that feeling of, like, you feel like like the running version of apocalypse, apocalypse has happened. There's no getting out of this. It's all over. I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. Maybe imposter syndrome comes in. It's just that feeling of I am defeated. I need to find an exit out of here. When you're going, when someone's going through something like that, how would you advise them to think and talk to themselves to get through that patch so they can get through to the other side, which can be a really interesting path and you never kind of know what's on the other side once you've done it a couple of times? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's hard to kind of give such a broad, general kind of statement because everyone has a different, like, like you know, thoughts pop up in that moment, right? And like you said, like, you know, some people, you know, are having, you know, thinking this and thinking that. And like, you know, the one thing is to kind of know like that this is this is something that you did sign up for. Right. So to find that to find that place is something that you actually chose to do willingly. Right. So there's just like I chose like choosing that there's something really important around that. Like this is not life threatening. You know, that this is something I chose to do, right? I chose to, like Lauren says in the computer, and like come to come in contact with those dragons that are lurking within, right? The dragons are going to come out in that in the last six miles or whatever, right? So you knew they were going to show up. So if you know that there's like a nor- normal one of like, oh, you know, you're slow or you're like these like old 
thoughts that you hear over and over again, these automatic negative thoughts that you've just been hearing for like your whole life, you can, you know that they're going to show up. So actually having a plan for that is actually important. Like say, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like, you know, what's a normal one, but just like, oh, you shouldn't have done this in the first place. Or who do you think you are? Or whatever it is right now, you know, you know, what's likely to kind of come out in, in the negative thought, thinking part of it. And then you can kind of remember, okay, now why did I sign up for this again? Like, what was this? And that's why the getting clear on that kind of even going in. I recommend people on race day, like I, I talk about in the journals and in the, the belief training journal series that like writing down on your race plan, like, you know, yeah, the logistics of what you want to do. And then like some key goals for the race and like different scenarios that you're going to come across. But it's no surprise to anyone who's run the marathon that's last six miles is going to be hard. So it's not take the shock out of it. You know, that's going to happen. So it's like, what's your plan for when that shows up? Right. So it's literally having a plan for that, for that mile, those miles and going, okay, what's the thing that's going to help me endure that this physical, mental, emotional test. And and usually having that like really strong purpose, right? So so many people run for charities. So many people run for, you know, things that are just bigger than them or like really purposeful things or like, you know, I don't know if they've been through some kind of a personal crisis or an illness or something that this is like this is feels more than just like about pace or random like race results like there's a there's a purpose there that's going to help them persist in that in testing time and I think not being shy about that and having that really clear and vocal and you see athletes now like you know they write stuff in their hands or they write stuff on you see athletes pulling photographs out of their shirts after they win medals at the olympics like you see people writing stuff on their shoes it's like it helps them kind of remember you know meb talks about like he wrote people's names on his on his numbers you know that these are the people he's like carrying with them in those tough times like this is why he's doing this this is you know this, these are the things that are going to help the ground the people and center them and like keep the purpose strong when the doubts and the dragons are ah, to full effect. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. I appreciate everything you just said. It was really interesting. One, one thing I want to follow up on first is the idea of visualizing it when it doesn't go perfect, right? When they're when that perfect, that's not the right word. I guess when the visualizing the difficulties. Because oftentimes, and it's a kind of a popular trope of like, all right, let's visualize the perfect race. But the perfect race doesn't come without difficulties, doesn't come with exa- without exhaustion, right? Yeah. Lord knows, yeah. right? Because yeah, if, if your yeah. race comes without exhaustion, maybe you left a little bit, a little meat on that bone. Um, but, uh, you know, planning for those things. I remember, shoot, I don't even remember when I first heard it, but it was, um, and it was about Michael Phelps, um, you know, two or three Olympics ago, how he had prepared for if his glasses broke or his goggles broke when he was in the water. Like, what would you do if your goggles broke for the water? And and then, you know, he actually did, you know, did laps with broken goggles. All right, no, I'm going to count 21 strokes and I know when to flip and things like that. And then in one of his gold medal rounds, uh, what turned out to be a gold medal round, uh, one of the finals, um, his glasses did, his goggles did break. And he had planned for that. It was supposed to be like, no, I'm going to focus on something on perfection. And I'm, that's how I'm going to magical think my way to that experience. Yeah. And actually, the research comes, shows that like when you do anticipate obstacles and when you set goals, that actually helps you be more successful in your goals. So kind of 
you know, when people go, oh, I get anxious when I say go or like get nervous. I'm like, actually, that's good. Bring that in. Bring those nervous, fearful thoughts into the picture. What are you so afraid of? What, what, what do you, oh, you don't have your, you know, water bottles sorted out. Okay, get your water bottles sorted out. You know, are you afraid that might happen? Okay, do you have a plan for that? You know, let the, let the fear speak and, and show you. I always kind of like the red flags. Okay, let's, let's hear all the red flags. Welcome them and then make a plan for them, right? Oh, it's going to be super hot that day. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Like, you know, are you going to have extra things sorted out? Don't just like shove those fears away and like pretend that they're not there because they're, they're there. <laughs> you might as well bring them out into the open and then go, how can you be of service to this goal? And actually, now what, what am I going to do about that situation? Huh? What am I going to do about that hill on mile 20? Right? Like, what are you? What is it? What is it? You know, when you're centered and you're calm, you've got all your wits about you. <laughs> What, what what would be a good strategy for that, right? Not just, oh, in the middle of the race when you're like exhausted and like, you know, you're vulnerable to like any, everything <laughs> that like you're going to go, oh, now what am I going to do to figure this piece out? Think of it, use the, use your, um, use your full capabilities in advance. Don't wait till like, the middle of the race to try and figure that stuff out. You know, that's going to show up. You know, you have doubts that show up you know, the day of the race or the days, the middle of the race or the last mile of a race, have a plan for those doubts, Rec- you know, get, get, get that plan in action. Like, so when they do show up, you're not like, oh no, here it is. It's like, yeah, I'm ready for you. <laughs> right. It could be the course. It could be your own internal dialogue. It could be something else, you know, either way, I think have like knowing what's going to show up and then having a plan for it is, is the way to deal with it. All right. One last thing I want to talk about, and this isn't purely from a, you know, row as therapist. This is more a row as therapist and a professional runner situation where you've been on many starting lines in your life, some extremely high profile ones, uh, Lord knows. Um, so people are going to be stepping to the starting line and they're going to be, again, maybe even more nervous, anxious, that overwhelming feeling, right? The feeling of, all right, I pissed nine times in the last 20 minutes, but I got to pee again, all right? All of that kind of bubbles up uh, and people kind of, it manifests itself differently for certain people. I'm one of those people who like, for some reason, will do way too many strides to get rid of it. And all of a sudden I'm like, uh-oh, I think I'm a little tired now. I should not have done 1,200 <laughs> meter strides to get ready for this race. Um, how do you, again, knowing that every person is different, but understanding that, you know, racing is an experience. It has to be practiced. Getting people ready for, all right, it's 30 minutes before the start of the race. Here are some some things that will help you get to the beginning of the race so you're not comp- spending all of your mental and physical and emotional energy before you've even, you know, crossed the chip time. Yeah. So right straight away, I'd say, like, don't try on the new and race day. Like, what, what, how many strides do you do for your warm-up for your workout? Yeah, see, I normally do four. Right. So you only do four when you do your race, right? I know. I feel like such a, I feel this conversation already made me feel like such an idiot. I'm like, why would no. I ever do more than four? Well, that's so stupid. No, because, but like, but no, like I, because there's, there's so much energy in your system, all that like pent up, ready to go, like nervous energy. There's like recognizing, okay, I'm like, right, that like if you don't have a plan, and this is what I can, and I, I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but like writing down these things, like they seem so simple, but when they're, it's written down in concrete, like I do four strides. Okay, so when you're going to go, oh, I've done four now, should I do two? No, you don't. You do what was written down. You stick to your plan in that way. 
Do you know what I mean? You don't have, like, the nervous energy is going to make you second guess. Your mind is going to be jumping around like a monkey out there. You kind of go, no, this is what works for me. I'm not trying anything new on race day, you know? And then it's like, okay. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like take breathing techniques. It's centering yourself. You know, don't try anything new. And, like, you know, I, I can say that now from a different perspective of, you know, as a therapist now, but like I had to learn these things as an athlete as well. Like I used to get so nervous and stressed at a high, like world-class competition to the point where like, I can't breathe. I'm looking in the call room. I'm like feeling so stressed at like other athletes. I would, with with some sports psychology tools and strategies, I was able to go into the call rooms like looking around, smiling, relaxed and feel like I'm like at a meditation class right now. Because I was able to shift so much internally and relax in that environment. The environment didn't change. Like the environment is what it is. The race day start line is what it is. Your internal reaction to that is what can can change and can improve. So it's like recognizing, you know, you don't actually have to be on top of a hilltop to feel calm and centered. Can you feel calm and centered in the kind of hoopla of like the hype of the race and all the like you know, the music is blasting and everyone's gathering around. Can you still find that place in you? Like where it's like, I'm calm and centered. This is what I need to do out here. And everyone has the opportunity to learn that and do that. So, you know, and watching that nervous part that's like going to just add on like 10 extra strides <laughs> and wasting all that energy. Just recognize, okay, every time I conserve all that energy, I'm conserving it up. It's like, you know, you want to start the, I always say you always want to start the race with full bars of mental, physical, emotional energy. So what is it that's going to get get the battery full charged on that start line? And don't let any extra energy out <laughs> before that start line. Right. So, don't, don't don't walk around all the extra, not the expo. So this yeah. is a more marathon day before. But yeah, yeah like yeah. the other move I've done is that like, all right, I'm at the race, but I'm here an hour early. What do I do now? And it's like, don't walk around for the next hour. Just go chill out somewhere. Yes. Like recognize, write down like what time you're going to start warming up. What, you know, how long are you going to warm up for? You know, when you, when do you go to the bathroom and get changed or whatever you need to do? When do you sit and relax and just put your feet up and visualize? When do you, you know, start doing drills and strides? When do you go to the start line? You know what I mean? Literally minute by minute for that hour, you should have a plan. Like, I know not to be like super um, stressed out of it, but like recognizing, no, no, right now I'm actually supposed to be sitting down or right now, actually now I'm supposed to be going to the start line. So every time you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be somewhere else. I'm supposed to be somewhere else. Because that was the, that's the feeling on race days. Like, I'm supposed to be somewhere where I'm not. Actually, no, I'm actually supposed to be exactly where I am right now. And that feels really good to just like know where you're supposed to be and just and be be there so <laughs> these sound like such simple things but we all know in race day, it's like it starts to like thinking straight is hard so like you know they sound so simple and basic now but like we know when we get nervous it's like it's harder to think straight <laughs> and, one, and one thing for me was understanding like that there isn't a huge difference and sometimes for me there is no difference between anxious and nervous and just excited that sometimes I misinterpret it, right? Sometimes you hear people saying like, oh, you're not hungry, you're just thirsty. It's like, shouldn't I know the difference between these two things by now? I'm 40 years old. Um, but like, I feel like for me, there are times where I misinterpret those signals where I'm actually probably more just excited than I am nervous because there's no like imminent threat here and I'm misreading it. And then when I kind of reframe it, I'm like, no, but you, I'm excited, which is great because then I can use that excitement 
as you know, fuel again. Not that I'm going to blast off the starting line, but <laughs> that, that 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 I can make that a positive thing for me, as opposed to the opposite. Yeah, there's usually like a lot of energy in your body in that day. It's like so, kind of naming it right correctly, like you said. Like you know, we know nerve. Like they do have similar neural pathways in your body where like it does feel like they're the same areas are kind of lit up in a way. But you can kind of say, yeah, this is this is appropriate before a battle, right? Because that's what it is. It's kind of like pre-battle like preparedness where like your anxiety is a little bit more. It does help focus. It does release all this energy. So name it and go, oh, yeah, this is this is kind of my battle mode, actually, instead of having to name it like, you know, pretend that it's not a little bit edgy or pretend that it's like fully, you know, this is me preparing for battle and this is going to help me release more energy in my system. Um, so this is an anxious thoughts come with this territory. If I want the extra energy, I'm going to have to manage the anxious thoughts, you know, and, and recognize it's normal. It's all normal. That's that's a big thing <laughs> that it's all normal, right? That every athlete is experiencing it. So it's just navigating and not being not allowing the like anxious thoughts build on top of each other of like now I shouldn't be anxious and now I shouldn't be this and I and then they just kind of build their own staircase of, right like, <laughs> like the person who's worried about not sleeping now and now they can't sleep because they're worried about not sleeping yeah yeah, yeah exactly the double we in Buddhism they call it the double arrow this where you know it could keep going triple you know it's just like you know it is what it is and then we'll like add thoughts to to that and it just makes it harder you know so well, bro, you are such a treasure. Every time I talk to you, you it's such an insightful conversation. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, if people want to, um, I guess, learn more about the Believe Training Journals, which you and Lauren have done such incredible work with, and to know more about you as a coach, therapist, and just all around inspiration, where can they go to learn more? <laughs> um, Believeiam.com is my website. That'll be great. That's all right there. Bro, thank you so much. Thanks a million, Matt. Good to see you. Ro, thank you so much for coming on the show. One thing I didn't mention in the intro is the Believe the Believe Train Journals. These training journals are unbelievable. So many people swear by them. And in the digital world that we live in now with our Strava updates and our GPS watches that automatically go to Strava, which, hey, I'm not going to bad enough. That is pretty cool. It's pretty nice to, to have like a little hands-free thing that, you know, does it all, is all the work for us? There is something to be said for putting things down in writing, uh, whatever that happens to be, just the power of it. There are so many studies about this as well. Just the power of pen or pencil in hand on paper, it's legit. And you see a lot of the same studies are, you know, the difference between reading a book versus reading something on a Kindle and the kind of uh, mental processing that goes along with it and the retention and all of that. And it matters. So Believe Train Journals, go check them out. If you want to work with Ro, go to believeiam.com. She's just absolutely phenomenal. In addition to that, I will say I did have the chance to go on an easy run with her several months ago. It was the fastest easy run of my life, but it was so much fun. Uh, she is just as warm and awesome in person as she is from afar, and it was an absolute pleasure to get that chance to run with her. So before we head out, just want to say thank you to Four Sigmatic for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Go check them out today, foursigmatic.com, for a great cup of coffee that is also great for you. Code Rambling Runner to save 10% on that. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. 
Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.